0: From New Orleans, this is Mindset. Psychiatrist, Dr. Nick Pagic
1: interviews the leading lights of America's most fascinating city.
0: Welcome to Mindset. I'm Dr. Nick Pagic. If you walk down Ferret Street between Jefferson and Napoleon, you'll see a neighborhood that has been given new life. Bars and restaurants flourish where derelict buildings once stood, and folks stroll the sidewalk unafraid of the crime that used to plague the area. At the center of this new ferret stands Dat Dog, a beer garden and gourmet hot dog cafe. With cafe tables and umbrellas, Dat Dog sprawls languidly like a French bistro across the wide open space of what used to be a gas station. Dat Dog is not your average hot dog stand, and its co-owner, Constantine Georges, is not your average hot dog vendor.
1: A rational man adapts himself to the environment. The irrational man adapts the environment to himself. Therefore, all hope of progress lies with the irrational man. We, we, we love when people uh, adapt the environment to themselves. This is, this is what immigrants do when they come here. Some of them assimilate which is okay for them, but yeah. not okay for America, because America could use the the background that they have mm-hmm. if you 're Italian and you bring your great cuisine over here, mm-hmm. you know or you 're from Honduras and you, you bring you know uh, the, your cuisine i mean this is good stuff for for us to be able to benefit mm-hmm. with this diversity you know so we do progress by them adapting the environment to themselves you were um
0: the, like, like the captain of your football team, you were a quarterback, you were the president of your school, um, I believe, in high school as well. That's correct. And at Tulane, president of student bodies. So what drove you to achieve so much
1: in your earlier life? Uh, I think the main motivation was trying to um, uh, make my uh, parents happy with uh, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my father was a very proud man. And uh, so I always uh, I probably did more things to to make him feel proud about me than even my own personal ambitions, which I had. My father was an ambitious man; he came mm-hmm. from Greece and ended up here and did quite well um, but um, I don't know how else to 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 analyze that other than. He, It was uh, in those days um, we were always wanted to see how good we could do, and and mainly the motivation was uh, for me, uh, besides my own personal satisfaction, but but was mainly to try to impress my dad. Not that he demanded it; Uh, I just wanted to. What was his demeanor, and how did he draw that out of you? Uh, Well, occasionally he would uh, bribe me uh, by. you know it wouldn't bribe me but it was after the fact really he would he might give me um 5 dollars or something if i did some, I got good grades or something like that mm-hmm. a good report card then i knew i might get some good grades uh, some 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 money out of it or something and so there were some motivating you know carrots uh there but um uh, i think he was he was also very uh, a strict person mm-hmm. and and he believed you know in being disciplined and he, 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 uh, he, he didn't suffer fools too easily. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a way, he was a very tough man. Um, it was fair, but he was very tough because, I guess, life for him was extremely um, precarious. I mean, he'd been in three yeah. wars before he even came to America. So, he couldn't just be having a good time. Uh, And and end up surviving in in the environment he was in. Were you scared of your father? Uh, I would say uh, I I was. I had a great amount of respect for his authority. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably the best way of of putting it. (laughs) And um, and because I admired him too. Mm -hmm. So. To be scared of someone, yeah. I mean, there were times when I was a kid. If I did something wrong, I was really afraid that um, heaven and earth would come down upon me. Um, But in fact, I noticed that when the more serious things happened, like I I pushed my brother one time and he cut his ear, you know, my dad came home. I thought it was all over for me. But in (laughs) fact, then he was more sympathetic. You know, he he would get he would get um, more excited. On small matters. Mm -hmm. Big matters, he he was much uh, more rational about how to to approach it.
0: You said that in the beginning that your early achievement was more driven by parental approval, having your dad, you know, congratulate you to a degree.
1: But I think it's, honestly, um, I mean, we have sort of parallel things. I I have my own personal ambition, but I, I think it was fueled by wanting to please my father. I see. To impress him. What were your and, personal ambitions at the time then? Well, uh, you know, in high school, I always wanted to be the top athlete or, or, or uh, one of the top well, students. And you were, though. You, you said that, um, or I'd read that you
0: were the captain of your football team. You won a lot of games as playing quarterback.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we, were, we were... I don't think I ever was on a losing team, ever. I mean, I'm positive that I've never been on a losing team. And, um, you know, so defeat was was rare in any sport that i was in however you you do lose sometimes and Mm -hmm. it's it was very painful um and i remember my father coming up to me on more than one occasion when that happened and said somebody has to lose Mm -hmm. not the most comforting of (laughs) thoughts but um but that's how he felt about it Mm -hmm. and the good thing about athletics is it teaches you not just how to lose but also how to win. I mean, both things are important mm-hmm. in, in uh, dealing with other adversities in life.
0: Did, yeah, tell me about that. As a quarterback, um, what did you learn from that position specifically that may have led to you performing better in life?
1: Um, well, I mean, a quarterback, in theory, is someone that, that leads the team uh, on offense. Looking back on this, it, you know, I should have known then and there that I had these tendencies, which I was completely oblivious to uh, in, in my youth. Well, it sounds like you were pretty confident from the start, though. Yeah, well, you know, and I don't know where that comes from exactly, but it may have come from my father just genetically. And he once told me he was very wise, uh, he was a very wise man, and, and his sayings in Greek were just always spot on mm. on any occasion. Like, what we say? Oh, well, he, he, the, the Greeks have a lot of sayings for a lot of things. Uh, but, and, and, but he told me one time, um, he said, don't try to do it all in one generation. He said, look at me as the piling that is going really, really deep into the mud. And you're going to be on top of me, and your kids will be on top of you. And one day there'll be a bridge, and your great-great-grandchildren will walk over that bridge. <coughs> Excuse me and that's, that's how he felt he, he felt like you, you don't have to be the president of the United States mm-hmm. so uh, on the one hand I, I have to emphasize now my mother always wanted me to be the president of the United States but she never really you know pushed me or drove me there you know, that was just a wish of hers you know but my father while he would have loved to have seen that happen would never um, do things to to, uh, to Push me into that direction, he was very mm-hmm. good at letting uh, you find your own way and then supporting you if he thought that it was, it was you were in the good direction. He always believed he, I was very fortunate I did not have to pay for my education, mm-hmm. my schooling let 's say and um, uh, so he would always no matter what degree you got, he would pay for it, so I, I actually conned him. Into a postgraduate law degree, and uh, after law school, you one went to year. London, right? I went to London <laughs> and uh, did a postgraduate degree in shipping law. Uh, he was hoping I would find a Greek ship owner's daughter to marry. That was the one thing he hmm. wanted me to do. And he said, "Who's going to take care of you when you get older in life?" And my response was. With my luck, she'll be in the wheelchair and I'll be pushing her around. <laughs> and so he couldn't argue with that point. He just he just thought I was pathetic with that statement. She pushing who around, like my wife, because oh, she yeah. might develop some illness. Why why do, why can you assume that I'm going to be the one getting ill first and um. she's going to be taking care of me? In fact, you know, if the whole purpose of getting married is to have someone take care of you at the end of your life, and it doesn't happen, then you really. Uh, <laughs> You've really kind of um, bought into the wrong right. um, uh, wool scheme. You must have dated a lot in your
0: life. I, I you?
1: dated a lot up until probably, uh, I have to say, up until the last um, um, 15 years or so. 15 years? Yeah, just sort. Of, I don't know. I guess, I guess the, the market, uh, as you get older, there are fewer women in that younger bracket that would be at all interested and, and, and an older man uh, aside for unless you're some you know sugar daddy type arrangement, right. which I, I don't ever want to become um, do you have any
0: tips of, about dating for men out there? <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> oh, I probably could give them a lot of tips I think the most important thing really is to just um, just be comfortable in your own skin and if you think that you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. then I wouldn't um I wouldn't be overly concerned about the reaction. I, I, either you're going to get a positive reaction to it, in which case you could continue along those lines. Or if, if it's not working, it's one of two things. Either you're really not doing the right thing, or that's just not the right person for you. And, and that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the, the people, why two people get together is, is, a, is, is one of the great mysteries and well, mm-hmm. how they stayed together is a great mystery. If you're biblical, you know Saint Paul says that marriage is a, 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 a sacrament. Of marriage is 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 mystical. You know, it's it's and yeah. so uh, it probably is. It's always been a mystery to me why someone would be interested in me. I'm, I'm to this day. I'm always fascinated why someone would be interested in me. Um,
0: well, you know,
1: I mean, I mean,
0: why not? I mean, you're a real successful guy. You're you're an attorney. Yeah, but... You were awarded. You got you received the award by Janet Reed. But these are all,
1: but these are all uh, superficial things, you know. You, well, you the just, security. I mean, you're. You, well, no, the security. Uh, it remains to be seen. I have to sell a few more hot dogs before <laughs> before that that, that may I come mean, you true. You teach at Tulane. You're a yeah. tall,
0: handsome guy. You from yeah. a uh, a nice family. How come you never
1: got married? You, just lucky, I guess. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I, uh, you know, that, that to some of my friends or tired of hearing, but I did meet a woman once in a bookshop in London, who I thought might be, might be the one, but she was living in London, I was not living in London at the time, and, uh, but I used to hold, um, all the women that I met for years after that up to her, uh, in comparison, and that was not a fair thing to do, either to my girlfriends or to myself for that matter, um. And so it, it just never worked out. Why do you say you must be just lucky not to be married? Well, sort of tongue in cheek, but I do. Yeah. I do. I don't. I don't always envy people uh, that get married. But I do. I don't envy anybody, honestly, on any subject. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I, what I do think is that if you find a good marriage with 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 with, with children, uh, that's probably one of the most beautiful ways to live. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine. That my father, at one point, having five children, yeah. and taking them all to Greece and bringing them back to where he came from, uh, and being able to afford all that, uh, reached uh, a height of 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 a certain part of satisfaction and happiness that anybody can achieve. And 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 you know, to say say another matter on that. Um, I lost my one of my brothers, uh, who was just younger than me, hmm. uh, and uh, what was his name? His name was Nike okay. and um, he died uh, as a result of a drunken driver when he was eighteen He would have been, he would have been eighteen actually on Christmas day and he hmm. died the day before Christmas, uh, which has something to do with probably why i didn 't go to medical school because I, I was studying pre med in you know, I just didn't feel like being around the hospital uh, uh, after being there for ten days, hoping he would come out of his coma. But that experience uh, for my father was one of, the, and my mother were the great tragedies of their life. Yeah. and so. Um, that spurred me on again to want to divert their attention away from that tragedy, because mm-hmm. uh, I had no real plans to run for student government politics once I got to Tulane, mm-hmm. and, and the next year I did run and win. And I think, in part, that that sort of achievement uh, took their mind a little bit off of, yeah. of the uh, of the terrible circumstance that we that all all yeah. of us went through. That sounds terrible, that. really terrible. Yeah.
0: So you know. So your brother's death almost led to you uh, switching careers, in a way, or It did. On. Well, I didn't know...
1: I knew I didn't want to be around a, a hospital for a while, and yeah. um, I, I had no plan uh, if, you know, as to what I wanted to do. And um, He died in, let's say, the uh, uh, fall semester of 74, so in the spring semester of 75, I was just kind of floundering, not really knowing what to do, and by the end of the summer, my father said, well, have you ever thought of law school? So I said, well, why not, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of fits in with a lot of my personality anyway. So right. I, I, I sort of cha- I changed my major into international relations um, and uh, in, in two years I had, to come, <laughs> had to fulfill all the requirements uh, to get you that know. degree. You mentioned that your mom wanted you to be president of the
0: United States yeah. and your brother actually is in politics, ran for mayor and governor, yes. uh, down in, you know, New Orleans and, uh, Louisiana respectively. Um, are, are you competitive with your brother at all? Is there any competition between y'all?
1: I, I, um, and sincerely, fr- uh, believe that I'm in competition with no one. Um, and I've never been in competition with another human being. I mean, sports aside, yeah. or politics, aside, but and actually saying that this person I want I want to defeat, or I want to be better than him. Um, yeah, I never I never I don't think like that. Okay, I think about trying to uh, do the best I can mm-hmm. at times, and uh, so I don't feel like I'm competitive with my younger brother, and um, I don't know. I can't speak for him, Um, but he did grow up seeing me do a lot of achievement early in his life. And so it was probably a benchmark for him. But I I have a theory about him being in politics. Uh, I also have an opinion about him being in politics. Um, And and the theory really is that he never, he he was always interested in it from, 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 from from a non-participant point of view. Mm-hmm. He liked getting involved in people's campaigns and whatnot, but he never actually uh, was uh, out front in the public way uh, as a political person. Uh, I mean, he chose business as a path. He was very successful as a businessman. Mm-hmm. But I think he thought, as did I think uh, my father and mother, that I was the one that was gonna go into uh, government. Really? Uh, because I, have, if you look at my Resume. Yeah, um, I, I was a natural for that. I had, um, I mean, I, 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 I'm a people person. I, I can really walk the streets and 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 talk to people mm-hmm. without fear of offending them. I, I tell them what I think naturally. There's mm-hmm. no there's no um, um, calculation yeah. when I when I approach people. I, 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 I really speak from. My heart and, 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 my, and my mind, I hope, from time to time, yeah, uh, and so I came very close to being appointed the u s attorney on several occasions, both by the Democrats and by the Republicans. You never lost a case
0: as the as assistant attorney
1: yeah, a trial. That's, that's true, and you could say I was lucky there too, um, I mean, perhaps some skill was involved, uh, well. <laughs> but but to go twenty two years and never lose. Um, it's not like I didn't have a difficult case here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to think that uh, I was a bit fortuitous. What, um,
0: what do you think made you successful?
1: Well, I, I, I think, uh, you mean as, as a, as a trial attorney? Sure. I, I think that goes back to my early days in, in athletics and the competition. Tell me more about that. I mean, again, um, when you're in the courtroom, it's very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you You have to be professional about it, mm-hmm. and when it's over, you should be very professional about it. Mm-hmm. Some people can't handle um, losing. Mm-hmm. I never had a problem with that i mean i mean i didn 't like it, but I realized yep. that somebody, as my father said, has to lose yep. it resonates, and so you just go to the next. Uh, the next game or the next trial i mean i, I just didn 't lose a trial I, again i 'm going to just say it was, I was lucky, but had I lost the trial I wouldn 't have liked it but uh, the, the, my life wouldn 't have been defined by that moment. Do you find that you 're happy i think i 'm generally content mm-hmm. i mean um, I think I have a lot to be happy about uh, so but yeah. i never i 'm never um, maybe I should reverse what I just said. Uh, I, I, I have, I have a lot of things that I'm grateful for and happy, but I, I, I don't know if I'm, I could say that I'm fully content but I do feel, I still have a little burn in me to, uh, continue, uh, to do something more. And, um, uh, and so the, the, the um, uh, one of the best things that happened to me recently was, uh, uh, Ended up owning a hot dog stand Yeah, tell me about that Now, I mean, that was certainly not in the script of life for me And in a way, I, I, my father never saw this happen mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't really know uh, what he would think about his son Who really could, could have been, you know, uh, in the competition world With people becoming senators or beyond mm-hmm. Owning a hot dog stand all of a sudden But I have to say that um, it's been very fun, and it has also been very good for my own creative outlet. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's helped me use a yeah. creative part of me. That I mean, I'm not I'm not a a great drawer or a, you know painter. But the the or, the crea- um, uh,
0: the creativity that comes with running a business and you you know, know, in, operating a well, business right. In,
1: right now, um, I have partners, and uh, so. That's like being in a marriage. Mm-hmm. You have to, you, you, you know, and, and unfortunately for them, I do behave like my father, uh, and so I'm sure it gives them heartburn from time to time. But I'm aware of it. Uh, but and I have, uh, uh, we'll call them employees, staff members, whatever. Mm-hmm. Lots of, and they are my children. There's no question about that. Uh, in a way, I, I do. I do look. I'm very interested in making sure that they do a good job in their life. Yeah, not not just for, working for for so you're, the you're a mentor place. to them. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd like to be. Yeah. you know, I mean, I, you know, I've offered most of them smoke cigarettes. It's beyond my wildest imagination. Anybody growing up today with all the information yeah. would would seriously smoke. There are a lot of heavy smokers in this food world, mm-hmm. and I've offered them. Uh, uh, um, Bribes. I've told them that if they, if they didn't smoke for three years, I'd give them $1,000. Or in one guy's case, I'd give them $5,000. Uh, know, <laughs> some of them stop and, and think about it. Um, and uh, you know, I'm just trying to do what, whatever I can to try to yeah. you know, you know, put them on, well, on a good path. Is
0: it conflicting for you to own a hot dog stand and, and feel inferior to what your dad
1: wanted you to be? Well, it's something that I'm, I'm continually struggling with. Yeah. Um, Therefore, uh, I hope that the novel that I'm writing will help me, uh, you know, get back on the on the on the, the, uh, the, the intellectual on the intellectual side, uh, because uh, now I had, I started writing a novel and it actually has to do with post Katrina, surprise surprise, but from a, mm-hmm. from a, a point of view of um, a Mexican um, coming here. And uh, anyway, it's, it, that, 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 I started that before the hot dog stand. I only mm-hmm. have three chapters to go, and the hot dog stand came, and I put it off because, um, the, the, believe it or not, the hot dog world that I got myself into yeah. it took a lot of my um, creative uh, energy as well as just physical energy. And so I, I haven't been able to go back to it, but I, I, I do need to force myself to finish this. I want to finish this story. Constantine, what do you think about... Um New Orleans now. I always believed that New Orleans would go back to it being uh, a functional city uh, before. In my opinion, it's better now than it was um, before the hurricane. There are, there are many, uh, uh, many first class places to go to that didn't exist before. There are people that came to this city because they wanted to be part of the rebuilding. These are the kind of pioneer-type mentalities yeah. that made America great, which, which will keep New Orleans strong if we, if we continue to allow these people to come and, and grow here. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh, it's a small example. Please, yeah. But there's, uh, someone said, you need to go to this cheese shop. Uh, it, it, they have very good cheeses, and they have good prosciutto and things. Mm-hmm. So I went to this cheese shop on Britannia, I'm going to hold off on the name just yet, but I will say the name. And I walked into the cheese shop, they had all these cheeses, and I had lived in London, and there was a great shop, a cheese shop in London called Paxton and Whitfield's, probably the nicest cheese shop in London. So I walked in there, and I saw the, the, the man behind the counter, and I looked at him, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do one of my teasing things again, see how clever he is. And I said, have you ever been to Paxton and Whitfield's in London? And he said, I used to be the manager there. I said, you've got to be kidding me, because he was an American. Mm-hmm. And, so I, and, and then I kind of remembered having seen them in there, but not thinking really? about it much uh, at the time. Yeah. And so I started talking to him. I said, well, what are you doing here? Uh, he said, well, you know, I graduated from college, and I was going to be a banker. Or maybe he said he was a banker briefly. But he said life. Was, he didn't want to just be a banker. He wanted to see life. So he moved to London with his girlfriend and became a cheesemonger. And then she got pregnant. Or they got married first, yeah. I'm sure. And, and he decided, I cannot, I cannot afford to have a wife and perhaps children on a cheesemonger salary. So he moved back to America and opened up this cheese shop in New Orleans. And I said, well, why New Orleans? He said, well, I went to Tulane. And, mm-hmm. But he was from Delaware, and the shop's wow. called St. James Cheese Shop. So mm-hmm. I, I immediately um, embraced uh, him and, and his his company, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, because they, because they deserve to be embraced, they produce a first class product. Mm-hmm. They're very very professional about what they do. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great addition to New Orleans. Um, and they actually like my olive oil. They were big fans of my olive oil, but that came after. Yeah, yeah. That, that, came, that just came naturally. They were big fans of my olive oil. Um, and so that's just a small example. Um, this guy, Joel Dondas, he had a catering company before the hurricane, but he opened up these lovely sweet shops called Sucre. Oh, yeah. First class pastry shop, first class coffees, you know, and he spent a lot of money to do to, to, to a physical structure that is, makes you think you're in Paris. Yeah, oh, yeah. And of course, it's uh, I, I knew uh, of the place that he doesn't want to admit that he modeled it off of in Paris. But that's fine. He, you know. Um, so you, th- my, you feel like he,
0: your your friend imported the the, the I guess the
1: cheese. my friend with My friend the, the per- cheese Parisian, here. Uh, the Parisian, and, and, and and my partner and I yeah. brought European uh, style uh-huh. uh, frankfurters. And this just happened, I'm just saying this, it just happened to be that way years later. W- what we've done to Forette Street um, is, in our small way, bring uh, what we have seen overseas. He lived in England. I mm-hmm. lived in England uh, separately, but I lived also uh, in Greece. And in Greece, more so than the northern European in, and yeah. in southern climates, people are sitting outdoors in cafes. First thing we did when we opened up this little shack. Partly because we needed more seating, but also because we believed in outdoor seating. As we put some benches outside with umbrellas, people saw that life began to form on the street itself. My partner and I did not do this because we thought we were going to make a huge amount of money, that we thought this is what the city needed. We did this because this is something that we liked. We thought it would be fun Mm-hmm. And, and, and because of that joy that we had in bringing it together, I think it, 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 it's imparted to the people that work there who seem to like working there. Mm-hmm. It's fun for them. And that has to, that has to spread onto the, the people that come into the place.
0: My guest today has been Constantine Georges. Constantine Georges is the owner of Dat Dog with locations on Ferret and Magazine Street. For more information, visit datdognola.com. I'm Dr. Nick Pajik. Thank you for joining me on this edition of Mindset.
1: Mindset is produced by Grant Morris. Technical direction by Eric Murrell. Mindset music is composed and performed by Alexis Marceau and Sam Kraft. Mindset is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com.
0: summer's almost over, but at Old Navy the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822-828 and online 822-824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.